This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Uh, hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond. Uh, this is a bit of an extra track, if you will, a, a bit of an, a bonus for those of you who are interested in listening to our episode 65. Uh, so me and Lee Eifens uh, were able to meet uh, in Broward County on Wednesday evening uh, to participate in a town hall hosted by FXE Football, uh, which is one of the two bids vying to renovate the site at Lockhart Stadium. Um we were able to sit down with FXE Football's managing partner, John Raynal, uh, for a very interesting conversation that is included as part of episode 65. Uh, but Mr. Raynal also hosted a town hall for soccer fans and relevant uh, folks interested in the redevelopment in Broward on Wednesday night. And so uh, we are able and we will release uh, pretty much the full audio from that town hall on Wednesday night. There are a few moments at the very beginning that we were unable to capture. Um, so we are going to join already in progress, probably for about a minute. Uh, but the audio, it's about 45 minutes of Mr. Raynal presenting, explaining his vision for FXA football and for the redevelopment of Lockhart Stadium. And then about halfway through, uh, he takes questions from the audience discussing uh, their concerns, their aspirations, their hopes and dreams and fears and all that stuff. Uh, it is good to listen into. It is good to get the perspective of folks up in Broward, of fans of the Fort Lauderdale Strikers looking for a new club to support and wondering if this is the team to do it or whether it may be the Inter-Miami group that will deliver more of what they're looking for. So again, uh, I think it's a really interesting uh, listen, if you're curious about the business of soccer, if you're curious about the future of soccer in Broward County, uh, if you're looking for a more direct conversation, you may want to skip right ahead to episode 65, uh, where me and Lee are able to talk to Mr. Raynal directly. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. Um, go bonus content and go Miami soccer. So we've done a couple of big games uh, at Lockhart Stadium in the past. We brought uh, the two biggest teams in Argentina uh, to play at Lockhart, one of them against the Strikers. Uh, Derek was very much involved with that match when we did the Boca Junior Strikers. And then uh, recently the River Plate, America de Cali. River Plate was just the Libertadores Cup champion when we brought him to play. Uh, we also did a match at Central Broward between River Plate and Santa Fe of Columbia. So we've been investing a lot in, in Broward County and bringing the top uh, South American and world soccer to the region. So moving on to our project with USL. Well, why do we believe USL can be different than what has happened before at Lockhart? A lot of people have asked us that question. Why is this going to be a successful venture when others have failed uh, at the NASL level, even with the Miami Fusion at the MLS level? Our vision is that USL is going to be the league of the future in the United States. We really believe that. We've met with ownership several times. Uh, we've secured a letter of intent to bring a championship franchise and we think that USL is going to be a very, very strong power today and in the future. They have 
a different structure, and your people are soccer people, so you'll understand what I'm telling you, what I'm, what I'm trying to explain, which is uh, they have less limitations than the MLS structure does. You know, the MLS has a situation where the league actually owns the teams and the league actually owns the players. So that does not provide for very much of an incentive to develop young players. It does not provide for an incentive for teams to really go out and build. I mean, even though they do, they don't really have the incentive that a USL owner does to bring young talent and develop it. Because the truth of the matter is, at the USL level, the ownership owns the team, owns the players. The salary caps are more flexible, and that means that you can have really the possibility to build a very young, very aggressive team and then get into the player transfer market. Um, once again, since I'm speaking to soccer people, I'll go ahead and get into technical matters. But you know that in the US soccer world, um, the whole concept of developing players, bringing young talents, and then having them uh, move to Europe has been something non-existent. And the real reason behind that is because there's no incentive. So up until a very, very short time ago, if a young player from Argentina or Colombia or Brazil wanted to play in Europe, he would never come to the United States because this was the sort of graveyard of soccer. Once you came to MLS, you died at MLS. You would never move from there. Because of a, a guy who's a very good friend of mine, who's the uh, former coach of the Atlanta United team, Tata Martino, which I've had the pleasure of working with, with the Argentine national team, with all the friendlies we did with them, he started bringing young players to Atlanta, and he showed the MLS that that's where the business at. That's where the business is at. So he brought guys like Alneron, uh, Joseph Martinez, uh, now this, New, uh, newcomer this season, Pete Martinez. And now all of a sudden, Atlanta's realizing they can transfer these players over to Europe. They have a very competitive squad, and the MLS has started to follow suit. But they do have their limitations. At any rate, the reason I'm telling you this is because we believe that the USL uh, championship level team we can bring to Fort Lauderdale can be a model for the USL and for US soccer of bringing young talents and we work with all the major teams in South America. We represent Boca Juniors and River Plate and Atlético Nacional and America de Cali and all the big teams in South America are represented by us in the United States and they've reached out and they said, guys, you know, you get this uh, uh, franchise in Fort Lauderdale up and running and we will send you our best talent to develop here in Fort Lauderdale. Talent which will make us a winning team and which will give us a heads up on being able to move these players over to Europe uh, down the road. The other reason we believe we, uh, we're onto something with the USL franchise and we want to do something that where it has failed in the past, we think we can do it differently, is the concept of having a grassroots involvement in the team. It serves no purpose to bring a team here and just look out for the going after existing soccer fans without developing the youth system. We want the Fort Lauderdale kids to be involved with this franchise. We want them playing on those fields from day one. 
We want the eight-year-olds and nine-year-olds and ten-year-olds to show up to be a part of this project, to bring their parents, to make sure that everybody in the community is involved from a young age. Those fields that you will see or you've seen in the, in the renderings are fields for the community. They'll be the training grounds, obviously, for the USL franchise, but they will be fields to be used by Fort Lauderdale kids and clubs, and that's where we will build our fun fan base. All right, so we go back one slide, and then tell you a little bit of one, a little bit behind. There we go. There we go. So, who are we? We are, we've heard a lot of you know chatter. You know the 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 Beckham folks um, uh, have you know kind of floated out the idea that you know uh, we, we just came out of the woodwork, right? But so we'll explain who we are, right? This is a good opportunity to show our credentials. Um, we have a team of very seasoned. Uh, event and venue operators. We have people that have ran those stadiums you see up there. Uh, Onsite Entertainment is a company that was involved in the creation of the first ever Disney World La Liga Academy, so we're very involved in youth soccer. Uh, as you can see, and I mentioned previously, we have produced events worldwide. Most recently, we did Argentina, Italy, and Manchester City. Uh, before the World Cup, so we have a wide reach and we have access to the best national teams and clubs in the world. Uh, and right now, we just signed a five-year deal with NASCAR to promote soccer at all their venues uh, with a big soccer festival coming in 2020 in Daytona. So we're very active in the soccer industry, in the soccer world, and we think we can bring all this experience to Fort Lauderdale for a great project. So here is our proposal. You've probably seen the renderings. You probably had a chance to look at this, but just to run over them very quickly, uh, our main objective is a full renovation of Lockhart Stadium. Unlike our competing bid, we are going to leave Lockhart. We're not going to tear it down. We believe it's a traditional historic, uh, historic stadium which uh, deserves the respect of being always in Fort Lauderdale. We don't want to tear it down. We don't want to build a modular stadium with uh, temporary bleachers. We want to keep Lockhart Stadium. We want to pump a lot of money into it, and we want to make it a world-class facility. So that's the full renovation of Lockhart Stadium. Uh, you will see there seven, uh, one slide back here. Yeah, we will see uh, seven professional fields, which are 14 junior fields, which will accompany the stadium. Those fields, as I mentioned, will be training grounds for the USL franchise. They'll also be available to the community, and they'll also be available to Fort Lauderdale clubs. Uh, we are going to bring, and we've signed a letter of intent, a top golf facility. Um, we've heard from a lot of people in the community that top golf is a great entertainment value, and that we think it's a perfect place to bring it in and include it into this uh, sports and entertainment complex so that there's a lot of things going on at all times. And we would like to bring some retail space, restaurants, bars, uh, shops, so that this particular site becomes a full-on entertainment center for you guys. So, you know, you want to play golf, you want to watch a soccer match, you want to watch a concert, uh, or you want to go for dinner or a beer, you'll have it all in the same place. 
once again, uh, the difference, and I'm sure you all know because you're here tonight supporting us between our proposal and that of our competitor, is that we are actually looking to build an all-inclusive venue for the community. Uh, whereas our competitors are looking to build a private, enclosed training compound and corporate offices for their MLS franchise. And I can tell you this because I've traveled the country and I've seen MLS training facilities. I've seen at least a dozen of them. They are enclosed facilities, not open to the public, and literally just basically a private deal. So we are going to offer the city a situation where the city and its constituents and its people can enjoy the venue and every one of its assets. This is a rendering of the first idea of what Lockhart would look like once it is uh, refurbished and we are going to mix uh, the seating areas with some uh, green space for families to enjoy soccer and be close to the pitch. Uh, we are scheduled to uh, purchase a very, very, very large giant screen that will be a centerpiece of the stadium and make it a real uh, experience to witness soccer once again in Lockhart. So once again, what we wanted to communicate today and, and, and drive through to you guys is that we are a four Fort Lauderdale like a by Fort Lauderdale uh, proposal. Uh, we've been working with the community, we've been gathering feedback, we've been talking to local businesses. Uh, we have been really working hard for the last two years to get the, the opinion of every one of you so we could push through a proposal that is all inclusive and backed by the community. So we've received several questions uh, which I'd like to address. Once again, after the meeting or after this uh, sort of presentation, I would love to hear uh, any questions you might have, but I'll address some of the questions that we've received in advance. So how are we planning to on financing this project? Well, the, the project will be financed mostly by funds that we have uh, raised and that uh, we have uh, uh, as a result of our business dealings. Um, the project is, has several stages. The initial stage contemplates about $50 million in investment, uh, $20 million that goes to building the uh, top golf facility, another close to $15 million for the first phase of Lockhart refurb refurbishing, and the rest of the amount coming to rebuild and rebuild the soccer fields and the uh, adjacent facilities. We do have the, uh, the funds. We uh, are ready to invest them in this project because we believe in this project. So what are some of the revenue streams you plan on having to make this project financially viable? Uh, do you have agreement with retailers or local businesses? So, Revenue streams come in different shapes. Um, the project has different verticals. The stadium obviously has to be programmed. We are looking to program the stadium obviously with the USL professional franchise. 
We are also going to have a lacrosse uh, franchise that will probably make Lockhart their home. Uh, we will welcome uh, football games and we will also have other entertainments such as live music. We've engaged in conversations with the folks at Live Nation, which are ecstatic about having live music at the venue. We will also program the soccer fields. We will bring youth tournaments. Uh, we will have uh, international teams playing, doing pre-seasons there, and that generates revenue for us. And of course, clubs and uh, other uses for the fields will generate revenue. Very good question. I read this on Twitter the other day. We are very aware, we've been talking to USL now for almost a year, of the realities of what it takes to get a USL franchise off the ground. And the truth of the matter is that it takes about almost three years of losses to get it up and going. So we have budgeted in our financing the possibility of incurring three years of losses before we turn this around. So we are not going anywhere in one or two or three bad years as we get off the ground will not deter uh, our objective. So our agreement with USL is very simple. If we win the bid, we have the team, right? So that's where we need your support. So you know, and you already know probably, the difference between our bid and the folks from, from Miami uh, is that we have secured a championship level franchise, whereas they have a what's called a League One, which would be a third division franchise. So um, we have a different purpose, we have a different objective. We want to have 10, 15,000 people at that stadium every time the USL Fort Lauderdale franchise plays, which is a different uh, objective than what our competitors have, which is having a third division training squad, which will probably draw two or 400 people per match. So what makes uh, our group a better fit uh, to do good on the promises made by this proposal? Well, we've been working with all the top uh, companies and businessmen in Fort Lauderdale. We believe we are a project that is strictly Fort Lauderdale. We're not, uh, we're local and we want to remain that way and we feel that uh, it's a better fit to have a Fort Lauderdale project in Fort Lauderdale than having a Miami project. Uh, coming here, perhaps uh, leaving as soon as they find a better spot. And yes, there will be free to play fields for the community. In our project, we're including free fields, and that's a very important uh, element of our concept of being all-inclusive. So those are the folks right up on the screen that are backing up our project. They're all Fort Lauderdale companies. Uh, Odell is our architectural firm, which is out of Charlotte. Uh, they are the USL's number one builder of stadiums, so they're very much professionals in what they're doing. But all the other companies are local companies, and we're very, very proud to be partnering up with them uh, and making this a super successful project for many, many years to come. So now, I appreciate you taking the time to listen to me, and I will open up the, the room for questions. Yes, sir. Do you have uh, 
We've been in discussions with FAA. We, we did a study, and uh, we have been told by FAA that the high limits, uh, and you, well, if you can go back, please, to the initial slide, I will show you the rendering, the initial rendering. Okay, so there are two runways at FXC, and where the top golf facility is located, the poles don't actually exceed the height of the top of the lighting structure for the existing Lockhart Stadium. So we've been told by FAA that if we put that top golf in that location, we ought to be okay. We still need to apply, but the report that was given to us by them is that we're okay. Yes, Can you tell us what the timeline is for construction? Like, will you win this year? What does it look like at the end of this year? What does it look like at the end of next year, at the end of 2021? Okay, so if we win this year, thanks to you guys and your support, uh, we're gonna get to work right away. We'd like to be able to conclude at least the refurbishing of Lockhart between 12 and 18 months. Uh, but before that, we'll get the fields up and running. Uh, and we'll get the facility moving as soon as possible. So I would say if we win the bid, we'll have to go into negotiation situation with the city to negotiate the lease. And once that negotiation has concluded, uh, I'm looking at probably eight to 12 months for the soccer fields to be ready and 18 months for the refurbished law card. So you, you would have approval to play in the USL championship in 2020? Look, to be completely honest, we're, we're in, uh, right now we're at uh, you know beginning or almost March of 2019. So um, I think the negotiations with the city, if we win the bid, will probably carry us towards the summer. I think 2021 might be a more realistic uh, objective for the first season. But of course, uh, this depends on the city. You know, once we submit the bid on March 1st, they will. Um, take as little as a day or as long as 90 days to get back to us on who won the bid, whether it's us or Beckham, okay. uh, or I should say the Inter-Miami group. And after that, the, the negotiation, uh, negotiations for the lease will take uh, probably a few months. So I think it would be more realistic to, to aim for 2021. Yes, sir. Hi, uh, good evening. Uh, you mentioned that you were working with Premier Parks uh, with their original plan and then that fell through as the Shalita Brown plan fell through. Uh, and so you're kind of the last man standing in, in this plan and, you, and you've reworked it. Uh, how much did the Beckham group, the Inter-Miami group, releasing their plan for development at Lockhart force your hand in terms of sharing your plan? Did that speed up your timeline at all? Uh, and um, how does that kind of put you in terms with the city? Well, that's a very good question. I don't know if you folks know, we have been working for months with the city commissioners. We had met with the mayor and, uh, and everybody at the, uh, the city to tell them that we were going to submit an unsolicited bid for the project. Uh, we were working on our own timeline and we were probably going to be two weeks away from submitting when we were sort of uh, uh, blindsided by the Beckham proposal, uh, which obviously accelerated everything. But it's not a problem because we were already very much down the road in preparing and presenting our project. So 
uh, you know, obviously it accelerated things, but actually it's a good thing, right? I mean, because that way we got people talking and we can have this kind of situation that perhaps would have not been possible if we just submitted a bid unsolicited with no competition. I think right now we have this kind of discussion which is very healthy where people have the opportunity to analyze both proposals and you know see what's best. Okay. Yes, sir. Would you be willing to consider attaching a youth academy uh, to your club because I think that's one thing that the Beckham group will do. They'll have a, a DA at uh, this facility and that uh, lead one team will probably be filled with a lot of local players. So what are your plans for that? Well, absolutely. Well, you know, I think that the USL uh, has a program for youth development academies such as the MLS does, so they would like to have that in place. And what we want to try to do is not limit the field space and bandwidth just to uh, the academy sector, which is obviously, as you know, very competitive, but not very inclusive. Uh, so, right? So we'd like to be able to have a youth academy so we can develop young talents that could go up the ranks to the USL Championship franchise. But we also like to leave some space for the, for the local kids. Um, 
but we do have also, as I mentioned to you, uh, that the idea that we need to program the venue with music, live concerts, festivals, and also with lacrosse and other events. Yes. Why is it so important to you to, to do this? Wow, that's a fantastic question. All right, I'll tell you, I'll tell you my, my, my personal vision on this. We brought the first match to Lockhart uh, about five, four years ago. And I thought it was just a fantastic venue. And I saw the passion of Derek and all you guys as you were supporting the Strikers playing against Boca Juniors, which as you know is the probably one of the top three teams in the world as far as, you know, I think actually it's the number one or number two in the world as far as uh, international titles. Um, from that moment on, I had in my head that this was a great venue to have because after that we did, we've done 18 professional matches in South Florida over the last four years. And we ended up going to different venues because Lockhart was no longer available. So we went to FIU or we went to FAU or we went to Central Bio Regional and we went up to Orlando. And all this time I'm thinking, you know what, this is a shame because this place, this is the home for soccer. This is the best place that I've seen in South Florida for soccer, and this deserves to be a great stadium. So when the strikers folded, immediately I reached out to Wes Harden, who's right here, who's our operations director, and I said to Wes, let's find out if we can get this place. Let's turn this place around, and let's make it the world-class venue so we can bring international soccer. And that's where the dream started, and then we got into it with uh, Premier Parks, got derailed, unfortunately, and now hopefully we're back on track. Yeah, Sorry, thank you. 
non-soccer question for a second, but you mentioned it a second ago again, the fact uh, that lacrosse is something you're targeting for the stadium. Uh, would you be able to say that it's the Florida Launch uh, franchise that you're interested in attracting? Or is there another team that you would be interested in forming? And uh, do since they're kind of similar schedules, Major League Lacrosse and uh, USL, do you have kind of an understanding yet? Or is that too far down the road? It's a bit far down the road. The Florida Launch would be the obvious the obvious uh, team to play here. And of course, you would have to work the scheduling around. Okay. That was a question over there. If you guys win the bid, even with, what are your guys' options on community outreach? Are you going to be like involved in different aspects of the community as well as just the soccer? Well, our idea is to be very much involved in every aspect of the community. and. Uh, and that's why we're, you know, doing this so we can hear from you exactly what it is that uh, you would like us to be a part of. We're very much open for community outreach. The project itself is a community-based project to redevelop uptown and be inclusive. Do you have any examples of that type of uh, community outreach that you've done at other other uh, other locations or teams? No, well, we haven't previously uh, built or refurbished the stadium, so I could not give you an example. Or uh, up until now, our expertise lies mostly in the match promotion and also in the development of youth academy. So this would be a project where we were looking forward to uh, doing things with the community and learning from the community and taking our existing experience. Then again, I can say the same thing for the Beckham folks. They've never built the stadium, and they've never done a project from ground zero. We're all in this together and taking off on the same platform, so to speak. Yes, sir. Well, we would like to make money before. We were giving... You're not. What? You're not. Well. Bishop do lose his money. Well, we think, first of all, so we've, we've gotten the financials from USL, from all the other teams. So we've analyzed, we had our investment bankers look at all their numbers, and we've analyzed several USL franchises in different markets, from small markets to medium markets to large markets. This particular market is a large market, right? So we're taking, yeah. So, why, why do we believe that we could cut the losses at year three and not lose for 10 years? I know the people from Brazil, and I couldn't agree with you more. By the way, they, they, they bullshitted me when I came to rent the stadium several times, right? So, um, for, you know, I, I was born in Argentina, so we don't particularly like it. Just so you know. Don't talk to me about Brazilians. I don't want to get sold. <laughs> so, there no. might be Brazilians here. There's Brazilians here? Okay. I don't want to say no. We're all, it's all friendly. Broward County has a lot of them also. Yeah. No, no we, we Argentinians and Brazilians, we have a friendly rivalry. There's nothing wrong with it. But anyways, but these people that, that, that all the strikers before, I met them several times, and then with Ricardo. I'm never going to talk badly about anybody. But I think they had the wrong model for what this ought to be. And I talked to Derek about this earlier. Um, I think they didn't 
get community involved. You know, I think they thought they were going to bring the big names and they were going to, you know, bring all these Brazilian fans that never showed up. And we're all about getting the community involved. We're all about getting the young kids to be fans from a young age. And so I think with a couple of things that I mentioned earlier, one of them is getting the community and the young kids involved in the franchise, and the other is the player transfer market. So we are. Yeah, we're very, very much involved in that already, and we know we have access to some of the best talents in South America, and we know we can generate, and this is what we told Alec Papadakis, who's the CEO of USL. Uh, we are gonna be a franchise that's gonna be a model for you with regards to player development. And we're gonna make money in player development where every other USL franchise didn't even look at that as a source of revenue. Furthermore, if you look at the well, uh, we can't share this because of NDAs, but the actual uh, excels they gave us on the revenue models did not even have a line assigned to player transfer revenues. Absolutely, 100%. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so.
No, we generate the TV revenues and sponsorship revenues that cover the deficit. It's not just attendance. So, 10,000 works. 10,000 works. It's not a great deal, but it gets the stadium programmed and it gets activity going. So. Yes, sir. Right now, um, the city commission has been starstruck by the name Beko. Uh And I don't blame them. It's a great name. A very good looking guy. Used to be a, in the New York. Used to be a very good soccer player and he really revitalized the MLS. So he deserves the name recognition. But I think the city commission needs to be approached by folks like you who know soccer, who understand the difference between a name and a project. So whereas they're offering to come in, take 30 acres of city land, pay $1 a year rent to build a private enclosed facility with corporate offices for $1 a year, with zero community involvement, we're offering a project that is open to the public, which will generate jobs and income and taxes for the city, and we need you to tell your city commissioners this is what's happening. That's why we need you. Yes, sir. What do you expect your rent to be? Yeah, well, we have to negotiate that. Oh no, no, we're expecting to pay. We're expecting to pay. We're expecting to pay because we feel this is a valuable piece of property and the city needs to generate revenue and that amount will be in our bid on March 1st. We can reveal it before, but we'll pay. Yes, sir. Since that is the last piece of land that the city has on the recreational side, is there any part of the development that would go directly to the city that the city would control? Well, the city has asked us to retain uh, park space, a green space. So we are working with them right now and with some of the commissioners in that objective. So it's a very strong possibility that there will be a lot of green space and the city will retain. How many fields do We're going to build seven fields. I don't know if we can go back. Seven fields on the north side of the complex. Plus, are they going to be lit? Yes. Yes, because in that particular, you cannot build lit fields in the southern portion because of the FAA restrictions, but you can in the northern portion. So the, the fields in the northern portion will be lit, yes. Yes, sir. Okay, one, my last question. A lot of us here have been here from Strikers and Flight 19 and everything else. When you guys are making this bid, are you going to actually stick, us, stick it through so that you stay with us, as opposed to the last ownerships that walked out because they just didn't have enough funding or whatever. Or you got shame to stay with us through the whole thing. Through thick and thin. Right. Well, we want to stick with you through thick and thin. I mean, I'm sitting here today. We have not won the bid yet, right? So our first step is to convince the city with your help 
then we have a good project and we have your support. The second stage is to show the city that we are financially viable. Our proposal on March 1st was gonna have a long list of all our financial backing so that they're comfortable that we're here to stay and we can handle the project for the long run. We can have the money to last the three years plus and we are comfortable and they are comfortable that we're not here today, gone tomorrow. So I can guarantee you if we win the bid is because we pushed forward a proposal that is financially viable, our financing is strong, the city accepts it, and we'll be with you for the long run. Yes? I just want to make sure that you're keeping a grass pitch at Lockhart, and that the, uh, the, the seven fields in the, in the back are going to be mostly grass. Yes, absolutely. No this for you, my friend, who's a, a soccer expert, I've seen you and I read your tweets every day. Uh, basically, the number one complaint of every team that we bring is please, 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 no artificial. No artificial, no artificial. We're all about grass, we're all about real soccer, so 100%. Okay, well, I'll take one last question, right over there. Thank you. Uh, this is a very difficult sports market, as you know. I mean, the fans, we're, we're into it, and, and when, when you're winning, you're into it. When you're losing, it becomes a desolate. The Marlins exist on subsidies, the Panthers exist on other, on other uh, concerts, and the SSNE does very well. What other streams of revenue do you have to keep this thing going, to float when you get a ring to the uh, city commission? You mentioned talking to Live Nation, but I, I'm sure that's you got to keep the revenue coming. Okay. The streams of revenue for the entire site, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole operation. All right. So, so obviously, the Top Golf generates very good revenue. We'll be owning that piece. So, that's an, an anchor there that will give us uh, a good amount of income. The Seven Field plus the stadium also generates revenues. As I mentioned to you, we have uh, with a program that very heavily with international teams doing preseasons. And of course, we'll also have tournament basis. Remember, I mentioned earlier that we have uh, an association at Disney World. I don't know if any of you guys have kids playing at Disney at their tournaments. But I can tell you, because we operate an academy there, that on any given Disney weekend tournament, Disney generates between appearance fees and concessions and hotels and other revenue associated with the event about $10 million on youth soccer on any given weekend. So uh, youth soccer is a big generator, tournament business is a big generator, professional soccer is a big generator. So we'll have those revenue streams. As far as the stadium is concerned, as I uh, mentioned earlier, concerts, professional uh, sports. So we'll try, I mean, we, we ran a business model which we're gonna present to the city, which gives us profit margins that we think we can accomplish. We'd love to have that. Uh, as a matter of fact, Wesley right there is the expert on that, so he's been telling us we're gonna bring as many as possible. <laughs> well, I'd like to thank everybody very much. I'd like to thank Derek and you guys, the finance team, for inviting us, and please, we count on your support. Thank you very much. <laughs>